My name is Joe Greer, and I am the campus pastor at the newest version of Celebration Church down in Appleton, and delighted to be here with you this morning. They allowed me to get away for one Sunday. And so just keep us in your prayers down there. God's been good. Some good stuff going on in Appleton. And as time goes on, you will be hearing more and more about that. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. We're going to talk about the transforming power of God's love today. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your soul, all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I had a uh, song going through my mind this week. Uh, Jennifer Hudson. Uh, her song in Dream Girls called, And I Am Telling You, I Am Not Going. Uh, here's some of the lyrics. I'm telling you, I'm not going. You're the best man I'll ever know. There's no way I can ever go. No way I'm living without you. I'm staying. And you, you are going to love me. Tear down the mountains. Yell, scream, and shout like you can say what you want. I am not walking out. Stop all the rivers, push, strike, and kill. I am not going to leave you. There's no way that I will. No way that I'm living without you. I am not living without you. I am staying, and you, you are going to love me. Jennifer Hudson plays Effie White in this movie. A woman longing for the affections of a man who will never love her. You're going to love me. Have you ever stopped and thought about the wording of this first and great commandment in the Bible? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, etc., etc., as it goes along. Notice two things. Number one, it's a commandment. And number two... It's the most important commandment. Now, imagine that you walk up to a stranger on the street and you begin your conversation with this stranger like this. You're going to love me. Walk into your office tomorrow morning and walk into your boss and say, Boss, you're going to love me. Or your neighbor, or your wife, or your husband. Parents, try this today <laughs> after church. Sit down with your kids at the lunch table. Kids, you're going to love me. You will love me. Or imagine this somebody walking up to you and saying the same thing to you You, you're going to love me. And you know exactly what you're going to say if somebody says that to you in that way. You're crazy. What if I don't want to? Did you take your meds today? You're out of your mind. Who do you think you are? Don't tell me what to do. Of course we'd respond like that. Now we see that very thing 
being demanded of us by God. And the problem is, I can't see or hear or feel or touch the God who demands my love. And really, what rational person could love someone that he cannot see or touch? Love God with all of your strength, if you go back to the wording of that command. Love Him with all of your strength, meaning your physical strength, your body. Love Him like that. Yeah, but what if my body enjoys things that are not permitted by the God who I cannot see or touch? Love Him with all of your heart, meaning your emotions, your soul. Love? How do I love someone like that? How can I love a God that I don't know? I'm afraid to love. I've been burned too many times. And here, is he going to love me back? Is this a safe thing, loving God? Or, if he is a he, is he just like every other man I've known? Those are questions we might ask. And if you've asked these questions about this command to love God, let me tell you, (laughs) you are not alone. Every person who has ever lived has struggled with this concept, even famous people in the Bible. And universally, we have all discovered that loving God, even if we are commanded to do so, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, is just, it's a no-can-do. We fail miserably at loving people, and we fail even worse at loving God. And if you've asked these questions, you're not alone. You've probably heard of the Ten Commandments. These ten are the original moral laws given by God to a man called Moses, in the Arabian wilderness called Sinai about 6,000 years ago, give or take a thousand or two. And these ten laws were things that God expected of the Jews regarding their personal behavior, both toward Him and toward one another. Do these things and you will live, said God. Don't do them and expect the consequences. And so time went on after the appearance of this moral code and the people of Israel failed at observing these things time and time and time again to the point where the whole nation became pretty depraved. And then Jesus showed up a few thousand years later, around 30 AD, and reintroduced the moral law in his teachings and people discovered that God really hadn't changed his mind much and that the laws were basically the same love God with all your heart all your soul love each other don't kill don't steal don't lie don't lust don't chew don't run with people who do but even with Jesus given a fresh new look on these things And even though people grew excited when he talked about it, there was this one thing. How can I obey a command to love someone that I can't even see? This morning, we're talking about 
transformation, personal change. And if we had to put something at the top of our difficulty list, I think personal change would be right near the top. If I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I'm going to have to, I've got to go through some sort of change. Something's got to happen in me. How is that going to happen? Well, let's be completely honest with ourselves. And, you know, most of us would never say this openly. But to be honest, most of us have never really given loving God much thought. We just don't care that much. We are, after all, real people. We live in a real world. We have real needs and real goals, things we want to accomplish, getting stuff done, get after it. God's just not at the top of the list. Sorry, it's not there. Okay, so that's the reality. But let's look at this thing a different way, this loving God thing. Have you ever been truly loved yourself by someone? How'd that feel? How'd that feel, being loved by someone? Did it change you in any way? Did it make you a better person? A freelance reporter from the New York Times once interviewed Marilyn Monroe. This reporter was aware of Marilyn's past childhood and the fact that during her early years she had been shuffled from one foster home to another. And the reporter asked her, did you ever feel loved by any of the foster families with whom you lived? Once, she replied, once. When I was about seven or eight, the woman I was living with was putting on makeup. And I was just standing there watching her. She was in a happy mood. And so she reached over and patted my cheeks with her rouge puff. For that moment, I felt loved by her. Really, I mean, imagine the difference, what might have been if Marilyn Monroe had had someone to love her like that all of the time. There were some kids in Sunday school, they were asked what real love is like, and one of the kids said, well, when my, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. And so my grandfather, he does it for her all the time, even though he has arthritis in his hands too. That's love. <laughs> Imagine, you know, the effect that that grandpa's love for grandma's had on that kid. Profound. He remembered it. Has someone ever loved you like that? To the point that it, it changed you, it, it made you a different person, it, it, it imprinted something in your brain? How about the opposite? Do you know anyone who was never loved? Or who experienced rejection by parents or friends? Did it change them? Oh yeah. If you've ever had foster kids in your home, maybe you've seen the difference 
it has firsthand. Did you know that babies who are not held or coddled in some way when they are first born fail to develop certain nerve synapses in their brains and their developing brains and their brains fail to fully develop? That's right. The touch and the care of another human being actually causes cell growth in an infant's brain and causes it to develop in certain ways and that enables that person to respond to other people in proper healthy ways when he grows up it's just a part of growing up it's supposed to be and here is a spiritual principle in the Bible that's just as sure as this scientific fact just as predictable as human brain growth Human beings who do not experience the love of God for themselves cannot come alive spiritually. It cannot be done. And because of that, they are not able to believe in or to love or trust in a God for themselves. They, they, can't, they can't do it. Without contact with the love of God, you cannot go through the necessary changes to become a lover of God. Transformation of the human heart begins only that way. It's the only way it's ever going to happen for you. There has to be significant contact for you with the love of God first. You cannot change unless that happens. I have to experience it or I can't change. And the command, remember, it's the most important command in the Bible, is only going to remain a mystery to me. It's impossible to obey it if I don't come in contact with that love of God. How can a person love a God who he can't see if he really has no capacity or ability to do so? If you sense this morning that you are on a spiritual journey and that you're wondering about God or you might want to get closer to him this is step number one you must experience his love for you in a real and personal way and if you try to show love to him first before going through this personal transformation you're gonna give up it's you're gonna be frustrated and defeated why? Because you won't have, you're going to discover you don't have the power to do it. Going back to the opening Bible verse about the command for us to love God, let's just say that obeying that command is, is, is a no-can-do. It's impossible. Let's just say that we are commanded there to do something that we cannot do. Because actually that's exactly what's happening. And that's why so many people don't take Christianity seriously. They walk away from Christianity. So many people walk away from it when they become adults. What seemed so acceptable and maybe even logical when we were kids, it isn't anymore. We see too much demanded of us towards spiritual things when we read the Bible or hang out at church and we just go, I'm not interested, I can't do this. There's too much that can distract us in this world as adults. 
There's too many other things that I can focus my attention on and my devotion to. Love God? Are you kidding? Come on. But, what if something in you began to urge you in this direction? What if you felt drawn to this question of the existence of the eternal God? What if such a God actually does love me this way? How would I respond? How would I even know what to do? We have the image of transformation up here on the screen this morning. The caterpillar turning into a butterfly. You've seen it a million times. Well, transformation, that's what we're talking about. And then we say, oh, transformation, it can never happen to me. I can never become a new person like that. You know, but it happens to them. If a tadpole can become a frog and a caterpillar can become a butterfly, why can't a person become a new person? What's to keep me from transforming if God says that it's possible, which he does? There is actually a language of transformation in the Bible. You find it in scriptures like these. 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. John 3, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. 1 Corinthians 15, I tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep, we will all be changed. The dead will be raised imperishable, we'll be all changed. It's the language of transformation. Words like new and give and changed and born again. I mean, you see words like this a lot in the Bible. And here's a little secret. You're going to see more of these kinds of words in the New Testament than you're going to see words about the commands of God. The language of transformation is all through the New Testament. The reason, the reason why that is, is because God knows how hopelessly selfish we are and how little we care about loving him. Believe me, he, he knows that stuff. And so, he offers us transforming love. First, he extends it to us first. It's a very powerful thing in hopes that we will receive it and then change and then find within ourselves the capacity to love him back. One touch from the love and power of God and you too can be transformed. You can be changed in one moment into a person with the ability to love God. But you have to first receive his love. It's got to happen first. The book of the Bible that first drew me to Christianity is almost at the end of the Bible, the book of 1 John or the first epistle of John. And in those short five chapters, John teaches us some of the basics about the love of God, what it is, how to receive it, how to live it, how to give it. 
Listen to these short phrases. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. God is love. We should love one another. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And here's an important one. This is love. Not that, he, not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You will not find a place in all of human literature that creates a better definition or explanation of love than what you read there in 1 John. And what I'm trying to say is that if you encounter the love of God, it has a certain power to it. Wow. And it it can change you. It can transform you. It can make you a new person. And it's so lasting that it'll literally change your whole life. You'll be different the rest of your life. And when that happens, you will discover that you have fallen in love and what was once a command to you now becomes a promise. You will love God. And you'll love loving God. It's awesome. Experience pure love. Experience the pure, transforming love of God. That's where the Christian life begins, in that experience. It's not about you loving anyone. It's about God loving you first. Remember what we just read. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. The response to the greatest commandment, the one that commands us to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that response from us can actually become a sigh of relief. Wow, this is awesome. He loved me first. He changes my heart first. And now I fall in love. I've often said to people that a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian, is really simply someone who has fallen in love. Great definition of a Christian. It's a person who's fallen in love. Just like falling in love with a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Just like being smitten by your future husband or wife. Just like that. A Christian is someone who has been smitten to the core and is never the same. And so my hope for you this morning is that you'll be likewise smitten. That you would open your heart to this amazing God. And that he can begin this process of transformation in you. So that you might become a lover of God. You know, the happiest people in the world are the lovers just like that. Missionary speaker John Dawson said this, God already loves you. Think about that today. Think about that this week. He already loves you. He anticipated who you would become. He anticipated how you would develop what you would do with your life. He anticipated how you would respond to him. And he decided, he decided that he would love you anyway. And when I say that God already loves you, what I mean is he is hopelessly smitten. 
by you. He is. You are in his thoughts every second of every hour of every day. He loves everything, everything about you. And when you finally discover that one thing, you also will fall in love. You will be smitten. You will never, ever be the same. You, you are going to love me, says God. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you this morning. And uh, our hearts cry out for help. Lord, because so often we're indifferent, we really don't care that much about what's going on between us and you. You're not in our thoughts much. Uh, But Lord, this morning, it's just great to remember that uh, we are in your thoughts constantly. That you love us with an everlasting love. I pray, Lord, for those who are here this morning who may not know you, who have never been touched by the love of God, that you would help them get started on their journey by revealing your powerful love to them today. That they might come to know you in a true way, in a way that they have never thought possible. That you would change and transform them on the inside. That they would become different people, lovers of God, the happiest people in the world. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us like you do. In Jesus' name, amen.